Hebrews. And uh, yeah, oh, thanks for the woohoo, Julie. Because I, I've been getting some positive feedback, which is always a good sign. And I appreciate that very much. A few years ago, <clears throat> I was sitting at one of our district conferences. We have them every year. It's when the churches in our district gather and we talk about stuff. Okay, But there's also... Uh, some business that happens, some policies are made, and things like that. And I, I was sitting there cruising along, it was a pretty good conference, thought everything was going good. And all of a sudden, a new uh, policy was introduced, a recommendation that I wasn't expecting that would affect me as a pastor. And, um, and I was quite, quite surprised with it and, and somewhat upset by it as well. And before I know it, we voted on this particular piece of legislation in our denomination, and it was recommended and it had gone through. And I remember sitting there and thinking, I don't like this. And, and there was a certain amount of um, upsetness. <laughs> Let's just say I was a little angry on the inside, right? And um, as I was processing this, I recognised these emotions that were in me, and I knew that you know, there's always potential when you feel these emotions to do and say the wrong thing. The conference finished, and um, it was a good conference. And uh, I came back, and, and I was still on the Tuesday here in the office thinking, man, I'm, I'm so unhappy, I'm so upset about what's happened with this thing. I'm going to send an email to the District Board of Administration. That's the governing group that oversees the the churches in this particular area. I don't see our, our district superintendent here today, so it's pretty good to share this, I think. <laughs> and wrote this email out. I was pretty happy with how this email looked and sounded. And I hovered over that send button, and then I thought, wait a second, I'll just ring Pastor Lex, because he's the guy that I like to talk to in these situations, and see what he thinks. So I read, I read this email out to him. He said, that's a pretty good email. Now that you've had a chance to make it all about you, you should delete it. <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> but didn't you, didn't you hear what I said? You know, this thing is going to affect me. It's going to, this is wrong. I, I need to let him know. He said, no, delete it. But didn't you hear what I said, Lex? He, he said, I heard what you said. And I also heard... Yet you were coming from a very defensive, self-centered, somewhat angry place. And it will cause you more trouble than it will solve. And then that's not you. And that you know a better way. So now you've got it off your chest and you've told me. I want you to delete it and try a different letter. And of course he was right. And I stopped and I remembered that he isn't the sort of person I want to be or that I hope that I'm not. And I also remembered that the men and women on the DBA are actually people that I love and respect. And they didn't deserve, that, that what they deserved was my best, actually. And so I thought, well, I need to do a, a, different, a different approach. Because, you know, if, peop, if I had done something to upset people that I'm leading, I would hope they would come to me in a really humble, humble way to talk to me about their concern. So I wrote a different email affirming my support for the, the, the DS and the DBA. I thank them for their hard work, and, you know, because it's a thankless task 
Um, and I just told him, I have this concern. I, I, I gently articulated it without the emotion, without the defensiveness. And I said this, whatever you decide, I'm going to fully support. And I meant it, by the way. And lo and behold, they wrote back. And they said, good point. We understand your concern. We're actually going to reword this piece of legislation that we're putting through before we send it to our national conference. And, and they did. And here's the point. Sometimes we need to be told something straight by someone we love. We need to be admonished, yeah? Sometimes we need to be told the, hard, the harsh truth about us. I know there's no amens right now, but can I have an amen? amen. Pastor Lex, he's someone that you know, I, I trust with the struggles in my life. He knows me. His words of, of admonishment, they, they cause me to reflect deeply. You know, what, what was that that triggered that you know, thing in me? Because it's not really like me. Why was it? Why, why did that happen? And I'm so grateful for that lesson because not only did it save me from looking silly in front of leaders that I, I trusted and loved and admired, it really did, it was just another one of those little steps in your journey that I had to take. We're only talking a few, a few years back here. <laughs> it was just another one of those little steps. Call it growing up. I don't mind what we call it, but it was a small step of growth in my life and it's one that I actually look back at and I'm grateful for, you know? And so this is what the author of Hebrews does to his readers that we're going to read today. Yeah, it's a letter of encouragement. We talked about how this is a church that's struggling and they're not doing well, and yet he still takes time out to kind of be very direct to them and to speak to the heart of the matter, to be tough. Not mean, not angry, just honest. And so we're going to read this passage today. It's direct. It might feel a little harsh at first, it can be easy to get our defenses up. It can be easy to think, yeah, that's for somebody else. And dismiss it. I want to encourage you to hear this word today just for yourself. Evaluate it against your life because receiving these moments are good for us. They are good for us. And as a pastor, you know, I want to preach on Sunday and I want, you, I want to give you all the positive and uplifting stuff. But there's times when the truth is hard and it's in the Bible and we can't skip over it. It's the times when the word of God really does cut through joint and marrow as, we, marrow as we read a few weeks back, right, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4. It's because it's good for us. So here we go, this week. We're in chapter 5. Um, we've been moving around a lot, I know, because I've been trying to pick some themes, okay, and they tend to be spread out over many chapters. But we're coming back to chapter 5 this morning, and we're in verse 11, and I invite you to get your Bibles out or read it uh, along the screen behind me there, and because we're starting in verse 11. So here's what he says. There's much more that we would like to say about this. He was talking about Jesus as our high priest. But it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull. And you don't seem to listen. Yeah, does that hurt just a little bit? Remember, it's for us. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. In fact, you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant, and someone 
and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And then into chapter 6. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move further forward to further understanding. You know, the Bible has a tendency to cut to the chase sometimes. But you can hear just a little frustration in the author's voice. You know, you sense there's just a little disappointment there. Imagine reading a letter that says, open up your letter, hey, you're spiritually dull. (laughs) Well, that's what we're doing today. Spiritually dull. The ESV says, you're dull of hearing. The NIV says, you're no longer even trying. I kind of like that one. You're no longer trying. And the AMP says, dull and sluggish. Sluggish is a good word. That's what the author was seeing in this church in Rome. You know, they've been Christians for years and years, but the evidence kind of was lacking. What was... The missing evidence, you may ask, well, when I hear this message about being stuck on milk and not graduating to solid foods, I think what he's saying is that spiritually speaking, they're kind of still behaving like infants. You know, babies is a word we read in there. And I've called this sermon infants or, or adults with a question mark. Because what I'm hearing from this passage in Hebrews is that for many Christians... I think the author's saying, we don't get far. We kind of take that step over the line. We believe in Jesus. We thank him. We've forgiven. And that's as far as we get. We're still on the milk. Has anyone ever seen Francis Chan preach on this particular passage? And he walked on stage with his giant baby's bottle. And he's just, for nearly the first half of the whole sermon, he's just drinking the milk from this bottle. I thought about doing that. But... (laughs) You've got to be Francis Chan, I think, to pull these things off. But he's saying, this is what the, the, the passage is saying, you know, there's no progress. They're still like babies on a bottle. See, the problem is not the milk itself. You know, we, we need the milk, but there is a maturity that must come and it requires us to move on to, to something more, something more solid, to graduate to progress, something that stretches us. It's like a child trying new foods. You know, sometimes they're a bit unsure. Maybe they're a bit scared. You know, you put the vegetables or the meat or whatever is in front of them and they look at it and it's like, "Uh uh-uh, not doing that. Man, I remember trying to convince Natasha to eat broccoli. That was a hard journey, that one. I think I scarred her for life emotionally. That's what happens. But that's what happens to us in our... Christian life. It's what happens with, with spiritual infants. You know, they want the milk because it's comforting and, and easy. They don't want the vegetables or the, or the meat. Sometimes we, we graduate to chicken nuggets, you know, because 
we think that that's a graduation, but it's not. Chicken nuggets doesn't get you very far. They're not milk, but, and they kind of seem solid, but they're not. They're just, they make you feel good. They're like feel-good Christianity. You know, feeds you with this temporary good feeling. You're dipping it in the sauce, but it's not solid food. You're not growing into a mature, healthy Christian. It's not that we don't hear the solid teaching, by the way. You know, we read our Bibles, hopefully. If not, that's a problem. We all listen to preachers and teachers. You know, read the books. We listen to the podcasts. But there's a difference between hearing and actually listening. Because listening, or listen, is a verb, isn't it? It's an action. When we're really listening, we're being attentive. We're applying it to ourselves. We're actually learning the lesson and, and we're letting it move from here. It's coming into the, the ear, hopefully not out the other one. It's coming into the head and moving down to our hearts. You know, after all the conferences and the small groups and the worship music and the study Bibles, the online services, even our church attendance, Hebrews says, verse 12, well, you should be a teacher by now. And you might say, well, not everyone's a teacher. But I think what the author is saying that actually, no, you should be spiritually mature by now. You know, we should be growing up. Others should be able to see that we are mature like that and they look up to us in a similar way that we would look up to teachers. That's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing in this. And when, when I think of a spiritual and an emotional adult, here's some attributes that come to mind that I just wrote down when I was thinking about this. Here, here's some thoughts. A, a spiritually or, and an emotionally mature person, they lead by example. Other Christians, especially the new ones, they look up to them. They go to them. They're calm and trustworthy in times of trouble. They tend not to judge others. They definitely practice what they preach. They own up to their mistakes and they learn from them. You know, humility kind of oozes out of them. They're, and they're good listeners. They're obedient to God's commands and, and calling. They're known as people with integrity and high character. They're faithful to God and to others, even when, it, you know, when the going gets tough. They're, they just seem to be filled with faith. They lead balanced lives around their work and their church and their family and, and rest. They're invested in understanding their strengths and weaknesses, and, and, and they're good to take action when they need to in here. And so they're kind of self-aware and they, they pay attention to their emotions in a healthy way. They're knowledgeable because they're, they're in, invested in understanding. And I've put this one last because I think when I'm trying to think of what's a spiritually, emotionally mature person like, they're good to put others ahead of themselves. And they get joy doing that. It's not reluctant. In other words, it's not all about me. This for me is the, you know, these are some of the signs. And you might have some others, but these are some of the signs of a mature Christian. When I don't have to win. When I don't have to be right. When I'm interested in others advancing ahead of me. When I get joy from giving more so than receiving. And on the other hand, it's the spiritual 
and emotional infants. And, and you can excuse these things in people, you know, maybe they're new to faith in Jesus or, um, you know, they're, they're still young and they're still maturing. It's understandable because it's a journey. But if these things I'm about to list are evident in, in someone who has followed Jesus for decades, Hebrews, I think, has a message directed to us today using that word spiritually dull, word spiritually dull, just to help us think, where are we at? Stuck on milk and immature, perhaps. This group has not taken the time to do the hard work of looking inside. You know, God, where, where am I falling short? Help me with my weaknesses. Allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal the things and to bring out change. So here's some thoughts about emotional and spiritual infants. And, hey, I'm not directing this at anybody, trust me. I'm only saying, because I was thinking of myself as I wrote this list over my years. So I invite you to think about these. Emotional, spiritual infants. Sometimes they're easily offended and easily triggered and they, they seem to often be in a place of conflict. You know, more than average. Or, or they run from conflict and like to sweep things under the rug. Where, by the way, things tend not to stay in my experience. Because we think that if we can put them under the rug and we hope they go away, they almost always come back out worse. You know, they rarely take the time to evaluate themselves internally because it's too confronting, but sometimes they can be good at evaluating others. Their cry is often, but what about me? And what about now? You're all doing the song, aren't you? Yeah. Who was the group again, Kate? Moving pictures, yeah. Not Shannon Noll. <laughs> Moving pictures. But that's their cry, what about me? They use emotions sometimes to manipulate others to get the way they, or they, they overwork and they burn out. They ignore the signals that God builds into our bodies that warns us, hey, you better slow down. That's being mature, emotionally mature, spiritually mature, is knowing when to slow down. They don't invest into knowing God and his word and practicing the spiritual disciplines. Sometimes they lack the fruit of the spirit. No one looks up to them or seeks advice from their decades long of spiritual experience. Now, I've said them all, and it was really hard to say it because I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to condemn you today, but it's good sometimes to reflect, isn't it? And there might be more. Actually, the person who has done the most work in this area is a man that I quote often, Peter Scazzaro. Since the Bible brings up the topic, let me use this uh, quite confronting quote from him. You ready? This is what he says. The scandal of the church is that it's full of emotional infants. Yeah, that's kind of harsh. But when you see sometimes what goes on in the church, you know what he's talking about, don't we? Please be careful not to think of others. Just consider yourself. As an aside, we're going to do one of his um, courses next year called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There's an image on the screen. Because this is what his contention is. It's impossible, impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And he is so right on this. Don't think of this as some kind of psychological self-help exercise. This is an amazing study that helps us deal with the barriers that we often 
don't even know exist and we don't know how to remove, they limit our deep discipleship and relationship with Jesus and with others. You might say, well, why would we do something like this? Because too many of us are stuck on the milk and we don't know how to get off it and to move on. So you're going to hear more on this next year. I strongly urge all Christians, quite frankly, to do this. I've read the book. We run it with our young adults already. It's, it's been excellent. And I think what we're going to do is make this a staple in our church, just like we do Alpha. We're also going to run EHS, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Because the church is the place that shouldn't be full of emotional and spiritual infants, but sometimes it is. And sometimes it's the leaders of the church. If we actually hear and listen and apply the word of God with a better self-awareness, with a, a better emotional health, we actually do grow up. We actually do move on to the solid food. And being spiritually and emotionally healthy or mature is filled with many benefits in life. Not just your, your, your walk with God, but your walk with others. It's not surprising because it's what God wants for us. And spirit, instead of being spiritually dull or spiritually infants, he wants us to become spiritually sharp and spiritual adults. Verse 3 says, back from chapter 5, chapter 5, and so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. There's a movement that happens. Moving further is a nice way of saying we have to mature. So that's the call today. Let's do that. Let's, let's grow, starting with me. This call to maturity is one of the most important pathways to true discipleship. You know, in 1 Corinthians, Paul gives this bunch of instructions around orderly worship, and he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. I'm applying that to all things, not just that specific thing in 1 Corinthians. Don't be childish... In our understanding of all things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. But be mature in understanding in matters of this kind or all kinds to do with God. There's a call there to maturity. In other words, if there is an area of your life where you should have no experience, where you won't be the expert that people seek out, it's doing evil. As we're not experts on that one. But when it comes to matters of, of a life that's filled with faith, be mature. Grow up into that. So I started today with a story, kind of a vulnerable one, and now I'm going to do an even more vulnerable one. And, and it's a true story of my life. Honest talk here. Some of you have heard this story before. didn't check with you, but it mentions you, darling. I'm not going to make myself look good here, but I, I want you to hear that this journey of growth is worth it because I admit it took me longer than it should to realize I was an emotional and spiritual infant. Young people, don't take as long as I did. Start hearing the hard lessons from the word. If you know me, I'm a type one personality on the Enneagram profile. Does anyone know the Enneagram personality profiles? Here is the summary of type 1s in the column that says core weaknesses, all right? <laughs> Here's what it says about people like me, including me. Repressing anger that leads to continual frustration and dissatisfaction with yourself, others, and the world for not being perfect. 
I mean, he, <laughs> some of you are going, yeah, that sounds right. No. <laughs> Often that doesn't show on the outside. Sometimes it might. My staff might say, yeah, sometimes it does. <laughs> now, don't misinterpret this. I, it's not that I have outward rage or anything like that. But through most of my, a lot of my life, I was frustrated with everything and everyone, sometimes with my family, always with my boss and co-workers, it seemed. You know, I, I had friends and I enjoyed life, but too often I could be grumpy, I was critical, frustrated, too easily triggered, somewhat arrogant, didn't have a very deep spirituality. Sometimes that could come across as a passive-aggressive, and quite frankly, let's just say it, there was many times I would be an emotional baby. All right? <laughs> to be honest, I would say there wasn't much difference between me and many of my non-Christian friends in this regard. I had a turning point in my mid-30s. If you're wondering, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I wasn't in ministry yet, although I was close to it. Some of you have heard this story before, but when it was probably about 16, 17 years ago, we'd been on a, a camping trip on, on Bribey Island. And one thing we noticed about that camping trip, you know, on the beach there where you can camp, one thing we noticed was there was a lot, of, A, there was a lot of kangaroos around, and B, a lot of mosquitoes around. And if you know anything about kangaroos and, and diseases they carry, mosquitoes can transfer them, right? And so when we got home a couple of weeks later, Shelley got really sick really sick. We just thought it was bad flu, but after two weeks, it's like still really bad. And so the, the doctor tested her blood and she had Ross River fever and had it hard, had it bad. And it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And what we didn't realize is as she got better from that, she had actually started to develop depression. And that, some of you know what that's like, right? But you don't always see, if you're there for the first time in particular, you don't know the signs. You don't really understand what is going on. The family doesn't get it. And life at home, and in general, got harder and harder and harder. And uh, it went on for, for years. And uh, we were getting on with life. We were doing okay. But it was really hard. And I used to go on this little prayer walk um, every Monday, which I still do, by the way. But for, for those years, I would pray, God, you have to heal my wife. Please, God. It's really hard. You've got to heal my wife. Please, God. But things didn't change for a long time. And I still have this, there's, there's this profound moment in my life, and I've shared this with many of you because it was life-altering. And it was simply this. Please, God, change. Heal my wife. Please heal my wife. And I'm coming around the back end of this particular park. I used to just do laps of it. And moment with God. And it was in that moment, I, I, you know, just not an audible voice, but a very clear rebuke from God, where he said to me, you were praying for all the wrong reasons, the wrong motivations. You're praying for yourself so that your life can be easier. Because, you know, you're picking up extra slack around the house and doing all these things. Your wife is sick. That's the motivation, to be praying for her to be healed. And when I realized 
that there was a part of me in here that was selfish like that and that I wasn't being the husband I was supposed to be. I thought I was a good husband. I did all the stuff, ticked all the boxes. It changed me for good that day. It changed me. I realized there was something about me that was inward and selfish and quite frankly immature. It was only a few weeks later that I read that passage in John 15 I talked about a few weeks back about, hey, Nathan, where's your fruit? That was the second thing that happened within a matter of weeks. Pretty hard word from the Lord, but I celebrate it today because it was a long journey out, but that was probably the day things turned around for us and for Shelley. And, you know, her healing probably began better that day than it had been. And I just thank the Lord. I know he didn't bring that sickness. I know he didn't bring that. But he absolutely used that. And, and both of us will tell you today that our marriage is better because of that. And I'm going to be really honest with you. In, that, in, the, in the darkest times of that, we would probably look at each other and think, are we going to make it? Like I'm being really honest with you now. And God got us, not only got us through, he used that to create something better. That was a big growing up day for me. That was, oh my goodness, I'm not who I think I am. I'm much worse, but God's going to make me better because of it. And I praised God all the time for that day. And I thank him for taking me through the valley. That description in my Enneagram profile was true of me, but I'm happy to report that not so much these days. <laughs> I have to be vigilant that it doesn't creep back in because it is attached to my personality, but God can redeem everything and he can change anything. And my testimony to you today is that he did. He changed me. Verse 3 again says, God willing, we will move forward further. Not just understanding, changing. And I want to encourage you this morning, open your mind and your heart to God's gentle probing like that. It hurts at first, but it's amazingly life-changing. Let his words from Hebrews confront you today, because in my experience, it's so much better. So much better when I open up to God with my weaknesses and my failures and my sin and let him point to those things so that we can change. So is God challenging you through Hebrews today? Challenging you to consider your spiritual and emotional health and maturity. Is he challenging you? If the answer is yes, Take some time to do some serious talking with God and you should do some serious listening because remember we started in chapter 5 where it said you don't listen. And listen is a verb. Be willing to confess to him where you lack health and maturity. Are you still on the milk? Skip over the chicken nuggets. Go to the good stuff. 
Go to the solid food. It's time to move on. It's time for us to grow up. I just want to let you know again, we're going to do that Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course I think in Term 2 next year, Alpha Term 1, EHS Term 2. It's a long way off. Make a mental note because in my experience, this is deep discipleship and it can lead us into something deeper with God and your relationship with those around you. It's solid food. It's solid food. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. And Lord, this is a church. I pray, help us to to go deep, um, to be mature in our spirituality, Lord, in our emotional health. God, we need your help. God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you, God, that even when we're doing it wrong, when we're Stuffing it up. You are there calling us back into line. You're there picking us up again. You're saying, Nathan, we can do this better. Church, we can do this better. There is a life to be had to the full in Jesus. And God, I thank you for that. I pray you will help us get there. We've got so much to learn, God. We've got so far to go, all of us. But Lord, we submit ourselves to you this morning. We submit ourselves to you, Lord. This life here on earth is short. God, we want it to be everything that you want us to be. God, we thank you that you made a way. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you've, you've redeemed us and that you've filled us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We're not just left here wandering helpless. You live inside. You empower us to live the way you are calling us to, the better life. I pray it over your church this morning, Lord Jesus. That you are the king of our heart. And we thank you that you never let us down. And we want to sing about that and praise you this morning.